What's up, everybody? Ryan from Sports Card Radio. That's right. We are fucking live outside here in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, at the Tops Industry Conference. We got a whole gang of people about to come onto this podcast, but the man of the hour, first and foremost, Dan from Mojo break.com Dan before we get into the card stuff I watched you hit about 150 balls at top golf today let me tell you one thing I don't know if there's a man in the country that can hit a five iron and a seven iron at top golf finer than you can can you tell before we get into the card shit can you tell everybody the key to your top golf mid mid-range iron game so let me tell you one thing and first off before I start doing this I am absolutely stoked I have not done a podcast with Ryan since 2014, Sports Card Live, sitting in my car, Santa Cruz, California, on my lunch break. <laughs> I mean, I mean that was like, and it's crazy. It's crazy to think 2014, four years ago, feels like a lifetime ago. Um, fucking love your shit. Like, it's just... <laughs> Straight up, fucking love you. Like you, here's a you. No, no, nah, 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 I mean, you dude, you, that. you are my boy. Like, I did a little, uh, little shindig today. Got up on stage before, before I get into my five iron play. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about. We're at the Tops Conference, doing a little bit of that, and uh, went up there, and you know, I do group breaking. My, what I do is I converse with people. I see screen names. An introvert. It's kind of the way this whole industry is. I mean, let, let's face it. Let's let's fucking not sugarcoat it over here. We're all fucking introverts, and we fucking collect baseball cards. So, but I'm sitting on stage and I'm talking to Doug, and Doug will probably be on here. And uh, I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like this is like. But I had to give Ryan a shout out indirectly, without even trying. Hope my check clears that I sent you. Seriously though, without even trying, <laughs> I think you made group breaking. I think well, you did. Explain like, that. No, please, I don't. Go on. Go no, on. No, no, Dan, no, go ser- on, no seriously. Seriously. Dan, go on, please. Dude, started 2010. Correct. Googled it. I'm all. Got a resale license. I knew how to do that. Yeah, I had been serious. doing the music industry for a long time, so I understood how to get like a California resale license. Right. Pretty easy. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. They they want your money. So like they're gonna they're gonna basically point you in the right direction. They want they want to get you in that system. Um, but how do you get wholesale? How do you, how, how do you find a whole? How, how do you buy a wholesale? How do you do it? How do you do it? There ain't you you Google shit. You Google that. It ain't gonna fucking come up. But there was one website that I found. There was one. There was one website. I'm all. I literally Google searched wholesale distributor for sports cards. Sports Guard Radio comes up. I signed up with All Sports Marketing. I think I found Southern Hobby. And GTS was actually San Jose, where we're from. Um, and they were like, they didn't even want to party with us. They didn't, wow. didn't even matter. Like, we we're small potatoes, dude. Like, we were, <laughs> dude, it was a Strasburg mania. Like, right. I mean, oh they, were getting, they were getting calls every day. Like, hey, I got a wholesale license. Can you give me some Bowman Chrome? <laughs> Nah, nah, fuck you. <laughs> this is what was going down. But uh, with your help and guidance, we were able to, 
you know, find a distributor. We took four hundred eighty-six dollars. Uh, that's all, and I and I, you know, I work in retail. It's like that was it's fucking big money back then. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Dude, four hundred eighty-six bucks buy Series One, right. do a group break, started on eBay, and fucking shit grew to. Uh, I think we did about five million dollars last year. So you did. You, you said you did five million in sales last year, uh, and that's just all group breaks, right? Group breaks. Oh my god. So how do you how do you guys do that? How, how did how do you, how, how do you how go do, from four hundred eighty-six dollars to five million in less than ten years? I mean, so basically, for the first four years, what we did is we didn't we didn't take a draw. We didn't take any money. Okay. Um, we basically invested all the money back into it. Reinvested. Uh, reinvested. Okay. So you guys had other jobs. And we and had, other uh, yeah, like I said, I I was in the music industry for a long time. Doug was you know slanging right. carpet. Right, right, um, right. We know we had our day jobs, and I think uh, around two thousand fifteen. 2000, maybe 2013, Doug decided that he was going to quit his job and do group breaking full-time. I stayed and worked my job in retail management for, you know, another three years. Because I was like, you know what, Amal, is this really what we do for a living? And again, we were doing three to four breaks a month. It was about the same amount of money I was doing you know, playing a gig at a cover band, like making like, you know, 150 bucks a night or something like that. So I was like, I can't sustain a living doing this. So I'm not going to quit my day job. Uh, but Doug did. So I was like, cool, man. I'm like, more power to you. I'm like, you know, you're putting in more work. I'm like, you can get some more money. I'm like, if we can fucking make it a, a thing, then I'll, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll jump on board. But, and then you fast forward to now and it's like, you got to fucking pinch me. Fucking, is this fucking really happening? Like, I mean... I've done businesses that were not successful. I opened up a music store after Mojo Break and closed that shit. Uh, retail's tough. Like I, I want people to know, like retail, with the whole e-commerce thing, and you got to have an internet presence. Retail is it's a tough fucking game, um, for sure. But uh, yeah, like I think I went off on a tangent. I didn't even give you the five iron. Like, I didn't even talk about my iron play. No, that's how good you are. You like, don't even have like, to talk about it. Your, your, your talent at top golf. I'm, guys, first of all, let me talk about this. Motherfucker took, first of all, I was open, like, shots at top golf. You know, you literally just had to bait yourself. So, so Dan just pulls out the five and the seven iron, and I swear to God, it looks like motherfucking, if you squint, it looks like motherfucking Tiger Woods hitting the shots. I swear to you, the motherfuckers were damn near hitting the back of the net with a five and a seven iron. I swear to you, this all, oh, and of course he's. I never played golf in my life, and all this kind of bullshit. So, I mean, if you're as good at breaking as you are hitting the five and the seven iron at top golf, I'm not surprised you do five million a year, and, and you and you've risen from a four hundred dollar top, top series one case of five mil in ten years. That's pretty good. It's fuck, dude. It's crazy though. Like it is, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the thing is, is that like you've been there since the beginning, and like we've been very transparent with you. Like I mean, literally. You are one of my closest friends in this industry. Like I, I love, I love your shit. Like for a lack of a better word, like I love what you do. You don't sugarcoat it. Actually, you were one of the first guys I met, and you actually showed me that you could be in this industry and not kiss everybody's ass. You can speak your mind. And Still make money. they're few and far between. Like yeah. you, you are a guy. You don't fucking 
you don't slap people's asses. You don't fucking. You don't. You don't give a fuck. Like, and and I appreciate that. And you need more of that shit. You need more people to be real, and just speak it how it is. And, dude, you you're an unsung hero in this industry. You don't get enough. You don't get enough praise. Like there should literally, like you should have been on that panel today. You should have been up there talking. Yeah, see, they don't, they don't, they don't want me up there. That'd be. But, but, but they, but they should though. Well, because you, you are, you're unbiased. You have, you, you have skin in the game, but you don't actually, you don't care about the products as like we care about. Correct. So basically, you don't care if they have like ten products in a row that just absolutely tank correct you don't give a shit don't give like a it, shit. Ain't, it ain't gonna affect your bottom line by any means none whatsoever where we care right. and it's gonna affect our bottom line so we have to basically try to figure out a way to for a lack of a better word maybe sugarcoat it and you know spin the positives on it where we need more people in this industry who don't do that and say it the way it is because collectors they need to hear the truth and if I mean, we do we do what we gotta do on the hype um, with you know trying. I, we don't we don't take no we don't take any money from any manufacturer. We never will um, because we can't actually do an honest review of product. If we if I'm getting sponsored by Panini, if I'm getting boxes from Tops or Panini. You've been a downhill road. You you get it. Yeah. You, you, I I know I know you got some boxes back in the day. Hard to do oh, yeah. it. Hard, hard to do an honest review when you're getting free shit, right? Yeah. And you pull. I pulled a five thousand dollar Kyrie one time. Hard, I mean, hard, you think I'm gonna say anything bad about it's, twelve it's thirteen hard, prism? It's hard to basically look at it and go, you know what? I'm all fucking product sucks. <laughs> hey, by the way, um, when's my next shipment of free shit? <laughs> right. It's hard, it, dude. It's hard. So, you know. When we started this, we do it from a little bit of marketing from our aspect. We're trying to build our brand, but Doug and I truly love what we do. We love going out there. We love opening up cars. We love interacting with collectors, but I want everybody to know that we are absolutely realist when it comes to products. If a product is bad, I don't care if I have 20, 30 cases of it. I will tell you a bad product you should probably buy something else Um, it's not the consumer's fault that I purchased 50 or 60 cases or something I shouldn't put it on I shouldn't put it on them Um, so you know I just try to be real about it man that's that's one thing you guys do really well on on your podcast and and it's actually a live actually YouTube hit show that you guys do the hype every was it every Wednesday right every Wednesday 215 Pacific time um, we are consistent about doing it, and I learned um, doing you know sports card live with you. Uh, in order to have a successful podcast or live show, it needs to be consistent. People need to know where to find you, um, and if you're sporadic about it, you kind of lose those people who gain interest in you. It's tough. It's tough, and like we all got to try to find time to do it. So, um, but I mean you. We ain't you. You have you have a following. You have a you have a, you have a following that we don't have. Like you have people who. Well, it's similar to your following in Group X. You've been yeah. doing Group X yeah. for ten years, and my brother and I have been doing. You know, my brother has been doing his show for over. You know, about because, about the same time as you've been. Because there's breaks. no way. Like the analytics. Like we basically we'll put up our podcast, 
and I know, I know your brother's podcast. He does one, and he may do, and he doesn't do it. He'll do like, he'll do one, and then he'll like Every do six another, months. Then another one. He'll do he'll like in six months. There's like no rhyme or reason, but he probably like ten times the amount of downloads on his than we do on ours because people are waiting to hear what he says because he has that just die hard following, um, and that's something that. You can't, you can't build, man. You it takes gotta, time. It yeah. takes time. Same it with takes, breaking. Same with breaking. You can't absolutely. just jump right in the yeah, business. You, yeah, it takes time. You gotta, you gotta build that. You gotta, just, you know, for a lack of a better word, you got, you, know, you got the fanboys, man. Like people, people just jump on. Yeah. They jump on and they, and with you guys, it's easy because you guys are some of the realest people in this industry. And again, we need more of that. We need more people who speak the word and are honest. And it's probably the fact that you guys don't sell product. You guys got no skin in the game, so it makes it, you guys can be even more critical of manufacturers. And if something, you know, is wrong, like you guys can call them out where there's some other, you know, online retailers that, you know, they're sitting on X amount of dollars of that product. They can't do it. They, I mean, it's a terrible, it's sabotage. You're like sabotaging your own business. You can't can't do that i know that i just sit there and salivate i salivate over getting the call from the lawyer who's suing panini i salivate over a mistake that a card company makes you know some may call it malicious some may say i have bad intentions for the hobby but that's just what interests me it the products don't interest me opening packs doesn't interest me uh these new players that come along unless they're playing for the giants lakers or a team i'm interested don't interest me but the inner workings of the hobby coming into a conference like this and seeing how well the business is doing to be perfectly honest and how it's grown uh over the last few years those are the things that really interest me hearing doug and dan talk about group breaks and trying to explain to a bunch of card shop owners some of these motherfuckers who don't haven't moved past a flip phone yet how to do group breaks that's interesting. You know, how does that all work out? You got hotshot young guys like Dan here who were in, in their 30s, and you got, you know, guys, these dealers who've been around for years and years and years, and, you know? And you know, like, and I do this, and I sit there and have this conversation, like, I would, I want it to grow. I yeah. want shops right. to succeed. I want them to be able to figure out avenues to make money. Um, I, I don't want them to go away. Shops go away. It only hurts the bottom line of the industry. We need the people who go in the shops buy packs, that tangible product where they actually leave with the cards. Like, we need to have that. That is still the lifeblood of this industry. Um, I want to make it so they do it the right way. And I'm an open book. Like, all all these card shops, they know. I've told them a million times. I'm like, I will do everything besides lie to your hobby shop and do a break for you. I mean, but I will literally set it up for you. I will tell you exactly what you need to do because I know how important it is to have those local card shops in every town. I don't care if it's, you know, Stockton, Sacramento, San Jose, you know, Boise. Like, we we need to have these card shops. That is where the industry started. That's the lifeblood. We need to make sure that still exists. And some of these people get set in their ways, and they're like, I'm not going to do it this way. And we need to change that culture. That culture needs to be changed. Like, it's almost like you don't care about your business. 
you don't like you you need you need to be able to figure that out. And I think uh, I can't I can't force anybody. Like I was telling you, man, I'm like if you have a hobby shop and you don't have a webcam and a USB mic and you're not trying to sell personal boxes on like if you're sitting there waiting for people to walk in, you ain't gonna pay your rent. Like. I know this. I worked in retail. I get it. Like, it, it's going to be a struggle. But if you have a live feed and you have post-it notes, I mean, it does not have to be elaborate. But if you, you could sell, like, an extra four, five, six hundred $600 a day, probably more than you would sell in your shop with people just walking in, and you're doing it with a location that costs you no overhead. So, I mean, those are just great tips, and those are, you know, some of the things you talked about at the industry conference. Dan, I wish I could talk to you for nah, an you, hour and a half. You have, you have a, have, you have a list. They're, they're actually, I am not shitting. There is a dozen a, people, a dozen people who are begging to get to on, get this on the sports card radio podcast. Well, they're hey, begging. Why don't you go get, go get rich and bring them over here? All right, I'm gonna get rich. All right, brother. All right. Thank you. Next on the line, we got Group Breaker Extraordinaire, Rich Layton. Go for it, buddy. Yes. Oh, am I interrupting you? No, not at all. No, we're not at all. We're here in Scottsdale Tops Industry Conference. What's the state of group breaking right now? Is it good? It's great. It's great? Yeah. Better than last year? When I talked to you last year? Yes. How so? Uh, I think slightly better rookie classes across a multitude of products. and I think slightly better products. Um, I'm really... I mean, we're actually at a point now where we can't get enough products. Yeah. Whereas last year, we could get just enough. Now it's everybody's scrambling for more. What do you, you know? what do you do when you what what do you do in those scenarios where you can't get enough products and you, you, you gotta you gotta go out and get more if where, what do you do like, demand it, you, you where do you go where do you go get it I mean there's there's a there's a lot of places I mean, dealer net and you're just like blowing blowing up the offers and trying to get it trying yeah and um, how I successful mean, is that for you you can go through sub distributors David Adams yeah, yeah. blowout uh, Steel City <laughs> um, go through your main distributors if they're, they still have any, but you're gonna, order. you got to pay up. Yeah, you have to pay way more than it Okay, cost. so on the on these on these breaks that you're like reordering, are you, and you're having to pay up, right? You're having to pay up way above what you already paid. Are you making money on these breaks? Are you breaking even? Are you just trying to kind of keep the customers in the door, keep them happy with this new product? I, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, it... You don't want to put your neck on the line for a product that you don't think is going to go up more than it already is. One, I mean, that's just smart business. But at the same time, you also don't want uh, you don't want to be out of a product that your customers want, and they're going to go elsewhere to find. So I want them to make sure that they're able to always come to us, knowing that we're always going to have what they want. So you have to kind of. You have to dance around that a little bit. Um, it's not easy, but I mean, I'm you know we're always willing to. We don't have to make 
you know, a killing on every single break that we do. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, right. that's just not in the business model. We know that's part of what we do. You know. What? Do you feel like it's a problem that there's not enough product, or is it just an obstacle that you're around? Or, I what, think it's what? an obstacle. I've, you have to learn to adapt to it, you know. Um, there's more breakers now than ever. Yeah. I mean, I, we've talked about this, me and you, one-on-one years ago, where we couldn't believe the amount of breakers in the industry. And that was and now it's, five years ago. And now it's like 5X. That now it's number. easily five yes. times that, ten times that, yeah. probably, yeah. between Facebook, Instagram, yeah. all the social media Easy. channels. You know, I, I mean, we didn't, I know for a fact that me and you didn't know that we'd be sitting here now saying that, you know, yeah, wow, yeah. there's even way, right. way it's more, right. you know, way bigger, way, way bigger. bigger, right, astronomically. So, I mean, because of that and growing through that, yeah. we were pretty, we weren't huge then, but we were big yeah, compared yeah. to other breakers. Um so going through those times then and and now you know growing into now i mean we've learned how to adapt pretty quickly you know and you have to you know i i think that's a really important thing to know in this industry is how to adapt how to move quick how to move quick how to get in how to get out how to keep everybody happy um you know i i'm that's 99% of my time is spent figuring out different ways to keep our customers happy with less product than I would normally get. Right. It's not easy. So, you know, like you said, we were sitting here a few years ago, and we never would have bet that there would have been, like you said, it's not 5X. It's like 10X the number of group breakers there was Easily. even just a few years ago. Yeah. So are we sitting, let's say it's 2019, are we sitting here in 2022 or 2023 same, same thing again. and being like, damn it, fucking 10x again? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know then. I don't know now. Um, can it? I don't know that either. If, if it could, the only way it can is if they make more. Make more product. And I'm, I'm terrified of that notion. Because? I don't want it to get watered down anymore. The product themselves. Is. Right. Do you I, think the products are watered down now? I think the market, at times, the market seems watered down. In all sports or specific sports? I wouldn't say all sports. I'd say basketball, basketball football, baseball. Okay, okay. Um, hockey, I mean, you have one manufacturer making it. They have ex- They have yeah. a finite amount of products that they release every right. year. So, they, I mean, they pretty much have that. A little harder hard. to find that stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... I, they're happy collectors too. Hockey yeah. collectors are happy oh, yeah. collectors. Right. Um, you don't hear the moans and gripes in that industry compared to what we hear yeah, in yeah. basketball, baseball, and football. It's not the same. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I see like singles of certain players. Uh, I mean, we pay a lot of attention. We do buyback products and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm constantly buying and selling singles, and everything right. singles and bulk deals or whatever we can you know whatever looks cool that our customers may like that we can put in a repack product and stuff like that I I see prices of players fluctuating either up or down I mean daily all the time daily hourly even sometimes seeing a card end at a thousand dollars and it's 800 later on that day and then the next day it's 600 and then a week later the guy throws three touchdowns or whatever and And it's 1500 bucks you know it, it's unbelievable yeah, it it's is. day trading yeah. it's literally day trading even more volatile at, at times 
you know, than day right. trading. Even yeah. more volatile. Yeah, who knows? The guy could... And the products... Here, and the products... Phone. What's funny is, is that the products don't actually necessarily follow that trend. You know, typically... I remember when I first started breaking, the biggest card in a product would get pulled. Product would nosedive. Mm. Doesn't mm. do that anymore. Mm. It actually goes up. Mm. Why do you think that? I don't know. It's very weird. They see the biggest card in a product get pulled... Maybe it's just supply and demand. Maybe it's product manipulation. Mm. I don't know what it is, but oh well, that product's dead now. Biggest card was pulled. Mm. Optic basketball, first off the line, mm. right? Right. Luka Doncic, right, right, gold right. vinyl auto. Right, right. It's I remember pulled that. Yeah. Before hobby even gets released, <laughs> right? Right. Okay. Optic basketball's retailing for what? One hundred and thirty dollars a box right now, which is well above yeah. cost. Yeah. Explain that. Right. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And he's really one of the only hot rookies this year. I mean, he's in well, basketball. Well, you know, that's a whole other subject, but I honestly do believe that if you pulled Luca out of that rookie class, we would have an amazing rookie class. Yeah. Yeah, well, well there's I think good, he good over, players. He yeah, yeah. certainly really yeah. overshadows that entire rookie class. Right. And they don't sell well because everybody wants Luca. Right, everybody's trained and focused on him and not looking at all the other good players that Trae are Trey Young? Trey Young's a good player. I you like can, him, actually, can, a lot. You can get his stuff for what he could be. Yeah. You can get his stuff pretty cheap. Really? Yeah. I like him. Pretty I mean, cheap. I mean, it's not super cheap. It's not, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's not Luka. Junior cheap, but right. it's, not, it's not. He's not going for a quarter of what Luka is. Oh, wow. It's crazy. That's, that's crazy. It is. There's a giant rookie class behind Luca, and it, nobody even knows what sport do you make the most money on profit yeah or, or just, just just better sales or just what's your best sport if you live, in terms if you, of breaking yeah, if you just live and die if you could if, if, if I forced you Rich you had to exclusively Blake break one product the rest of your one sport the rest of your life to earn your living what baseball. sport is it? baseball yep. yeah 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 just, it's it's so it's more year round yeah, than the basketball and football. Okay. Basketball is hot for six to eight months a year. Nice. Football's hot for six yeah. months, maybe seven. Uh, I can break baseball day and night, 12 months a year. All the time. Yep. I don't know if that's because of my customers or if I it's see. because of the sport. Okay. But from my perspective, like, I, I know if I, like, if we have baseball it's going to sell and we're going to break it and we have a great following for it we've all we always have that's what i started with it was my baby in the beginning you know right it's i didn't get into the football and basketball till later till much later you know i did nothing but baseball for the first year at least year maybe right. two years and i started to branch off oh we'll try some football and we you know slowly but surely came along and now we do everything you know even wrestling we even do wrestling Wow. Yeah, why not? Why not? It's yeah, fun. Their uh, there's tons of wrestling fans, and that's, that's a super crossover. A lot it's of, so fun. I mean, yeah. It's so fun. And I'm a fanboy. So, so it's, it's even... Funny. It's, it's, open. it's so fun. It's Sting and Vince McMahon. You're it's, like, oh, Transcendent Wrestling was one of the most fun. I, that's some of the most fun I've ever had opening a product. Are you going to go to the Transcendent Wrestling Party? Have you I thought about that? so. It's so hard for us that time of year. Yeah. That's a really busy time of year yeah. for us. We don't have a ton of employees to right. kind of pick up the slack when I'm not around. Like Brad and Matt are, yeah. are tearing it up right now right. Uh, at the shop. I had to fly Matt in from Missouri for this week so we could be right. here for the conference. So we can't just 
Right. Pick I up. can't just man. Oh, right. come on. You know, every other week, <laughs> you know, leaving his family behind. I can't do that to the right. guy. I mean, he's awesome. He probably would do it if I asked right. him. But I would not do that to him. Right. And so, you know, it all depends. We'll have to see how uh, how things are at the shop. If Brad's okay and if Matt's okay right. and if we can have cover for everything, then yeah, I'd love to go. I've never been to WrestleMania. Yeah, because you get a ticket too, huh? You get a ticket you get and a the, decent and ticket the uh, you know the and party. party. Yeah. And which I'm, assume, I mean, you know. you know as well as yeah. I do that Tops can put on a pretty good event, you know. Oh man, I need to buy into a break and get a spot. <laughs> get, a, get, get yourself a cheap WrestleMania ticket. I know. The tickets that are in that product are floor are good seats. tickets. They're yeah. Floor seats behind the announcers table. I mean, they have like a. I think the ticket face value, just the like ticket, a is a thousand dollars. And then I believe, from what I heard, they're going for anywhere for three thousand dollars and up. Wow! On StubHub for those seats. Wow! And then I think on eBay they're going for even more than that because it's combined with the party thing. Wow! Yeah, thousands, many That's, thousands. Uh, might be a destination here. You can turn a two hundred and well, depending on the break you buy into, two hundred thirty dollars in the. Into a few grand. Yeah, for a trip to nothing. WrestleMania. <laughs> for doing nothing. Just for buying in and having fun. And happens all the time, too. That's the thing. It's not a joke. This happens all this the time. happens all the time. All the time. Not just with spots. It was big cards. and. It was pretty cool going to the trout party this year because we were responsible for 10 people in that party. That was a pretty cool moment for me. I look around the room. I see three of my customers over there. Yeah. I see three other, uh, three different customers and another table that are also customers of ours. And then the four people at my table, myself, Sarah, and a couple others that we also brought with us are also there because of our brands. And there's probably, what, well, with all the wristbands that Fish had, I don't know, you know, there's probably only about 60-some odd people yeah. there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, six of the people were there. Yeah. Due to our breaks, right? So yeah. that was pretty cool. That is. That was a cool. bit of a surreal moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that I'm, is really I'm, cool. I'm so thankful for moments like that. You know what I mean? Like I look around the room, I'm like, holy crap, man. Yeah, because you don't get that. You're you're doing breaks. You're sending out packages. You don't right. get a lot you of personal time. Right, face to face personal time. No, you don't. But then they come up to you, and I'm walking through the party and everything. Grab a drink or whatever, and you know they walk up and they thank me. And they're, right. They're, I mean, truly, truly thankful right like you could see it in their eyes and they're shaking my hand like you know you guys are the best and you're this and you're that you know i can't thank you enough this is i'm having the time of my life i can't believe i got to meet my trout yeah that's that makes i don't care how many more late nights i have to put in you know makes it all worth it makes it all just that moment you know wow it's pretty wild that's pretty sweet rich we have you on for 15 minutes. We got a few people. Who should we bring over? You think we should do the distributor? Should we do Carvin? Should we do Doug? You gotta get. Bring? You gotta get Adam over here. The car, uh, shop owner. From from DA. In the White House. He's over there too. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't. Oh, wow. He's oh, he wow. We got people. all kind of people over yeah, here. We got some big wigs over there, man. Wow. Well, let's start with. Bring Carvin over here, and then we'll do Car- Carvin. Only gonna want to do ten minutes, and then we'll bring Dave over here. Holy shit, we got everybody over here. Yeah, all right, they're all yeah. waiting in line for. Guys, we're back, and I have a very, very special guest with us. The basically the card father of Exquisite Basketball, 
invented. If you love high-end basketball products, basically if you love high-end anything, I've got the man who essentially built those products way back in the day. We're going back to 0203 for these products. But Carvin has also worked at Upper Deck, has worked at Panini, and he's currently what did you say your role at GTS Distribution is now? Director of Business Development. Director of Business Development. But before we get into a little bit on the distributor side, can you talk about when you started Exquisite, your thought process, and kind of that whole thing at Upper Deck back then? Well, obviously, I started at Upper Deck at 01, June 01. And starting in 02, we all knew about the LeBron rookie class. And ever since he was on the front cover of Sports Illustrated as the chosen one. So when we were building our portfolio, presenting to LeBron at the time to, for him to sign an exclusive contract at Upper Deck, we felt that uh, this is the year. If we're going to introduce a high-end product. Right? At that time, the ultimate collection was the number one product for high-end basketball. But we, we felt that for that year, we could take it up to the next level. So, you know, the Ultimate Collection had four packs, four cards a pack. We said, well, we get rid of the base cards, get rid of some of the, you know, extra jersey cards, just make it five cards a pack and, and just take it up to $500 a pack. And that was the invention of the Exquisite Collection. And what were some of this? Uh, I know you're credited with essentially inventing the Logo Man, which is maybe one of the most popular kind of memorabilia cards in the hobby. Can you talk about that process or that time period and, and what made you think about putting a Logo Man uh, swatch onto a piece of cardboard? Well, in 0203, we put in our first Logo Man and it was kind of like the NBA logo was kind of taboo and we didn't really want to approach with the NBA and say, hey, is it possible to feature the NBA? And you know, after about probably six months, the NBA said, yeah, we can feature the NBA logo as long as you just don't present it and half format, we want it in, in full NBA logo format, and, and at that time in 0203, I believe the first logo man ever came to form in uh, Upper Deck Series 2, I believe there was a Jordan, a Kobe, and Jay Williams, I could be corrected, but I believe those are the three that we produced in that year, and they're really tough to get, obviously in, in Upper Deck Series 2 basketball. Do you have any other stories, that you worked at Upper Deck for so long, and that was kind of almost the heyday of Upper Deck, and just so many great sets and, and cards coming out of that time period and the, and, the, and the hobby itself just exploded during that time period. What was it like working for kind of a company and a brand that kind of was at the forefront of leading a category to kind of new heights? Well, you know, I, I was always a card collector um, when I was a young child. Tell about probably the grade six and you kind of got shamed for collecting cards <laughs> back in my age, right? And then it was like, I was like, man, I love hockey cards. And at that time, being in Canada, because I'm from Toronto, um, collected hockey cards. We didn't have access. We had hockey cards and baseball cards, but no basketball cards, because that wasn't really around. And no football cards, because we had no Canadian team. But at the time, I was like, man, I can't collect trading cards anymore. Kind of, kind of like a childish thing, right? Well, when I was in university in 89 came about, and Upper Deck was the first card. Obviously, the double photos, photos on each side, the holograms. I was like, man, this is great. And uh, I built my business from, you know, retelling trading cards at that time. Um, it got to a point where in the 90s, I was like, man, we're going down to refractors now. This finance came out with refractors and embossed, die-cut, gold refractors, one-on-one. No autographs yet, but I was like, 
where do we go from here, right? And I was like, man, I'd love to be able to. Let's take, you know, I, I was always kind of like a, a little bit overweight, short. I'm not athletic, right? I played a little bit of basketball. I could play hockey. But then I was like, man, my dream job is to work for a company like Upper Deck, like, you know, just to develop trading cards and bring something that I'd want to collect, right? So that, that's, that, that was my something kind of like a dream job, right? And obviously, I, I didn't work for a distribution in Canada. Uh, at a company called Grosner for a couple of years, and lo and behold, I got an opportunity to move down to California, Upper Deck. You know, I was ever since the age of ten. I was like, man, I love to live in California. It was like the mystique, you know, coming from the north and like snow in California, it's Disneyland, Hollywood. I was like, man, that's it. I'm going down. I don't care. I'm gonna go down to Holly. I mean, go down to California and and work for Upper Deck. And that was like a dream job for me. And you know, I'm sure it's also a dream job for a lot of people, believe it or not. Uh, but it was all because of that 89 upper deck when I first opened those blue pa- blue foil packs and the hologram and all that. And that was a, spurred me, you know, all kinds of ideas. And who would have thought that I'd be able to live up my dream at that time. Yeah, I mean, you've built this incredibly successful and long career. Do you have any stories with hanging out with some of these athletes maybe at a rookie premiere or at a signing session with upper deck or panini that that maybe could give some insight into to what it's like to maybe work at these card companies i can i, I can go to my first ever event and you know I, I worked primarily in 10 years at upper deck and also worked in panini on primarily hockey and, and basketball but my first event ever was actually i joined the company in 2001 and in 2002, I attended my first ever uh, NFL rookie photo shoot. And I remember, like, I was like, you know, I was kind of shy, embarrassed, right? And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the guys who still plays in the league, I think this past year, was Julius Peppers, right? Okay. So they were like, oh, yeah, well, we, you know, you know about the whole, you know, photo shoot, fo- uh, sorry, the uh, photo shoot worn jerseys. I'm like... Okay, I didn't really know too much about that because I got those cards in the packs and I was like, okay, well, here's a bunch of jerseys. You got to ask Julius Peppers to take off his jersey and wear these jerseys. And I'm like, you want me to do what? <laughs> there's Julius Peppers, number one pick, right. Carolina. The guy's huge, Dude. cut like a rock. And I was like, you want me to ask that guy who's 6'6 <laughs> with a cut body right. and everything? I was like, and, you know, I said, hey, Julius, come on over, man. I got you to wear these jerseys. And he's like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, well, I need you to, you know, you have their jersey for the photo shoot, right? I need you to take that off completely, right? So he's taking it off. He's just wearing his gear. And, and I was like, I'm sorry, man. I got to make you take him on, take on all these jerseys and put them on one at a time. Take them off again, right. put on the next one. And he was like, he's like, do I have to pull them all the way out? Dude, you need to pull them all the way down, you know? You got these collectors that want to buy your right. cards and, gotta have some body contact you know maybe get some sweat get some get some grass on it it'd be awesome to have that grass stain on it say even though it's photo shoot but it's a little bit more authentic right because obviously at that time when i went to that photo shoot i still have that collector mentality in me Mm -hmm. right and um you know what and at that time being that six with six you know and everyone else didn't want to do julius peppers right right? they all wanted carson palmer they wanted you know i think there was roy williams there Mm -hmm. they had all these other players that smaller i got julius peppers and i was like you know what, Julius, just do this. You know, understand the collectors. And guess what? He was a gentle giant. He was one of the best athletes I ever, you know, dealt with. And he did everything as expected. And, you know, even though he had that tight jersey on, he took it off. You know, he took, even took off his pads, put on the jersey, pulled it all the way down. And I was like, man, if every athlete was like him, 
this is this is a cinch, man. It's an right. easy job. Right. Obviously, there weren't. I got other stories that <laughs> <laughs> like that. But but Julius Peppers was like one of one of a kind for me because he was my first ever athlete. I asked him to do that. I mean, I've done others, right? right. I mean, I got working basketball. I mean, Carmelo, right? D Wade. I got I got all these other players that done, and they've, they've done a good job too in, in putting on jerseys. But it's always you know. I was like a I was like a photo shoot virgin at that time, right. and I broke my virginity with Julius right. Peppers. I, I, don't, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> we'll edit that part. <laughs> yeah. But but he was he was just a, a great guy, and uh, it's you know that's when I watch him play right now, I, I'm so I, I still remember that day when I met him you know as a as a yeah. 21 year old 22 year old wow. you know just joining the league and you know being the number one pick overall, and I got a chance to interact with him. It was just great. Man, that's crazy. So tell me what you do. I, you know, I'm kind of familiar with what you, you did at Upper Deck and even there at Panini, but what do you what do you do now at GTS Distribution? Well, GTS, um, you know, after Panini, I, they're based in Dallas, and I really wanted to move back to the, the left coast, as they call it, back to San Diego. And, you know, if there's an opportunity in Toronto, I'd probably maybe move back to Toronto. Um, it, was, it was just a, an opportunity to, as we call it, business development. It's a very wide array of pro, um, opportunities. Um, one of the things that they, they're a great company, they, they put a lot of talent around them, and they saw an opportunity for me to do a few things. Like one, I have a good hockey background. Mm -hmm. um, GTS primarily is a West Coast company, so they wanted someone to have a much more knowledgeable hockey base okay. and try to you know, promote hockey within the United States to our customers. And uh, to some extent, I think I would say that you know, we've been successful in doing that. Um, second of all, you know, there was this new whole new platform was you know online breakers right. and you know online breakers as as we see it you know today i mean i joined the company in 2014 was still you know growing and there's some opportunities and how to educate how people can become an online breaker how people can do you know create a community online versus having to be in store obviously in store is great because you have you know dialogue together and it's not just reading a, a screen you're not going to have to talk to a computer it's always great to have that but being also an online breaker you can interact with people thousands of miles away and you know as we grow in the technology age online online communities um, PV, you got PVP sports you got um, MMOG you got League of Legends now eSports and it's, it's all online it's not it's not guys fighting you know playing games inside a, a store, inside a, a house, they're all playing online. And, and I think um, we got to, as a, as a business, you know, you got to adapt to what the trends are coming down the pipeline. And, and that was one of the areas for um, GTS to, to look at and see, well, how can we grow our business in those areas, right? Um, and also, you know, we're also, we were also, at that time, international expansion with my, you know, I, I speak Portuguese, uh, Brazilian wow, okay. Portuguese, I speak, uh, obviously I'm Chinese background, I speak right. uh, Cantonese, I speak Mandarin, wow. so, you know, there's, there's a couple of things where I can reach out, I understand the cultures, and, right. you know, hopefully we can grow those areas as well, wow. and, you know, we're working on all three areas as, as we talk, but, I mean, I think in the four years or four and a half years I joined, online sales have skyrocketed, online breakers, and I'm, I'm not saying we're abandoning brick and mortars. I love brick and mortars. Right. I, I love the store interaction stores. I, I, I used to have a store, you know, but also, I also want to reach out to this brick and mortars and say, hey, you know what, guys, look at the opportunities here. You know, you know, 10 years ago, everyone said eBay was a threat. Now everyone utilizes eBay. Everyone has their own websites. So you got to adapt, right? And, and, and develop your own 
niche in terms of the online aspect, whether it's breaking, whether it's sales, whether it's retail sales, whether it's just even being there as a blog or doing podcasts, sure. right, and interacting with your customers. Right. And, and those are really important because this day and age, content is just not going into a store and getting, getting discussions and having discussions with people. Content is on the internet, podcasts, blogs, right, websites, and you know, look at ESPN. Look what they're doing right now. Whether it's videos, it's ENP, ESPN before was the uh, insider. Now they're doing plus, they're doing special, 30s for 30s. Everyone's starving for content. And you know what? As a, as a business, you got to start delivering content. Mm -hmm. So last question before, uh, before we wrap up here. What do you think, or do you have a sense of what percentage is breaking now? Because I've, I've been following the industry real closely for about 10 years now and I've kind of seen group breaking start from nothing to what it is today. Do you have a percentage between physical stores and group breaking what the breakdown is? I don't, I don't really have a percentage. I mean, we, we can see today in terms of products, there's more products um, catering to group breaking mm -hmm. and there's also products that are catering to, you know, the set collectors sure. like Tops One, Heritage with the Alan variations, Ginter. Allen and Ginter, yeah. the uniqueness. Um, we all know that group breaking is more about the impact of showing a card sure. right now. And then, of course, you know, how much work is, is necessary afterwards, right? Um, we're also seeing how collectors are gravitating towards products like, you know, Bowman, Contenders, Upper Deck One, because they realize that there's a lot of value in certain, certain cards, like the rookie cards. So the, the whole industry is there's, there's, there's multiple trends happening. Um, I, I would say, you know what, it's breaking now in terms of overall dollars. It's probably reaching, at the time when I joined the company, I would say it's about 25%. It's probably growing towards like 50, even high, a little bit higher than 50%. Breaking. breaking. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, online sales and breaking. I can't say. Okay. Yeah, okay. I want to say online, online business. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that's why I, I, I plead with everyone, hey, you got to build your websites. Right. You know, whether it's WordPress and, and right. building your websites and, and having the ability to have more IC. And the one thing that, you know, I, I always stress is what I call passive income. Like, if you're in a store and you're opening, it's called active income, right? You gotta be there to make right, the right, sale, right? Right, right. But passive income, you can be showering, you can have dinner, you, you can be sleeping, right. and, and you're generating Money's sales, right? right? So so that's what, like, just, like what Amazon does. That's what, um, you know, all the dot-com does, is that all that money is coming in while exactly. no one's working, right? And then as soon as you get in, you get, oh, you got all these orders and you ship them out. And I think that's important because especially at our day and age, and there is a lot of people about my age, you know, what's really important is our time management. And if you can make money, enjoy life while you're making money, that's the most important thing. Because, you know, at our age, we got to spend time with family. You got to do what's going to make you happy, right? We've grown the business for so many years and now it's take some time off. But while you're taking your time off, you got to make some income at that time. And that's really important. And I think a lot of the millennials, a lot of the younger people, they, they get it. We, you know, a little bit older, we don't want to change too much, but it, it really needs to adapt to that and, and, and make sure that we hit that passive income. Carvin, thank you. Maybe we'll catch up some other time and talk about old Upper Deck stories. Or old sure, anytime. I have all kinds of stories that we can discuss more uh, at a later date. Hey. Booked out. We're going to book that as a promise. So. Okay, no problem. <laughs> thank you, buddy. Okay, thank you, Ryan. Next up, we got Eric from Hall of Fame Baseball Cards in beautiful Arcadia, California. 
Eric, before we get into, you had this riveting presentation at the Tops Industry Conference today where they talked all about kind of your social strategy and doing all kind of different ad, ad campaigns. Before we get into that, tell everybody on Sports Card Radio how long you guys have been in business, where you guys are at, and a little bit maybe about your store. Yeah, man. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, my dad started our business in 1981. Um, we are unconfirmed but probably one of the oldest if not the oldest like brick and mortar family owned business in the hobby to this day that's still around um and we're growing we're still around we're doing we're doing what we do we're starting to get into the breaks and all this kind of new stuff that's happening and having a good time doing it meeting guys like you and and everybody else and you are having a real good time because you were up there on the stage today and you were talking all about your social strategy. You've got a ton of subscribers on YouTube. You got a ton of followers on Instagram. And you had somebody actually kind of come in and, and kind of dissect your social strategy and actually display it all for the, the shop owners and people at the industry uh, uh, conference. How did that all come about? How did, how, did that, how did they get connected with you and how did that kind of all come about? That came about, that was a, kind of a, a tops idea, tops. I was working with a company called Octagon, who's like a digital uh, marketing, like strategic marketing company um, that's been working with Tops to promote them. And they wanted to see how it might benefit um, for a company like that to be working with uh, the hobby shop owners um, and promoting businesses as like a as like a case study, like a trial, like kind of an experiment thing. And uh, Meredith from, from Octagon, I met her at the conference last year and obviously I have a relationship with the guys at Tops, and they like what we do social media wise and they thought we were a good place to kind of start with this kind of experiment. And so they decided to kind of sponsor this little social media thing and, and uh, do some things to, to, to generate some numbers to make a little presentation this weekend at the conference. and. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, we, we learned a lot from it, and I think everyone, Tops learned a lot from it. So did the Octagon people, and I think so did you and oh, everyone yeah. else in the crowd, I hope. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was great, and uh, <clears throat> I, I almost wish they would have videotaped it and shown it to, you know, shops that weren't here and so forth. T tell everybody, though, what are some of the strat what are the platforms, the social platforms that have worked the best for you, and why, why do you think that is? Uh... For us, you know, I, I, I mean, we always encourage people to use the platforms that you enjoy using, first of all, just from a natural user perspective. You know, use what, where your strengths are, you know. And for us, we like um, Instagram. I like Instagram a lot because I'm kind of an artist, you know, photo, and it's real photo-driven and, and eye-catching and, and real user-friendly. It interfaces really well, so we use a lot of Instagram, and uh, we use a lot of YouTube. I got a lot of friends that are kind of some bigger YouTubers right now and have been influenced by them to start using YouTube. Um, and, you know, everybody watches YouTube right now from, from, from parents to kids, you know what I mean? So those are our two biggest platforms that we kind of focus on right now, you know, and uh, Facebook and, and, you know, Twitter kind of a, a, a long fourth there. But uh, Instagram and YouTube have been really helpful for us. And 
I think could be for anybody else. Right. Yeah. And I know it's you know it's not only driven business to your online sales, but it, it really is a driver to bring people into your store and to show off big hits of people pull. And I know you had they they showed a kid chewing a piece of 1987 <laughs> Topps bubble gum. That yeah. was probably one of the more entertaining things we yeah. saw. Can you talk about? I know most of your business is done in your physical store, but one of the key statistics in the presentation today it said that you did nine percent of your online sales on cyber monday alone so nine percent of your whole take for 2018 online was done on cyber monday how the hell did you do that you know uh the black friday cyber monday weekend's a pretty big weekend for sales uh around, definitely in, in our country right. you know and um We've, you know, for the last number of years been trying to, you know, uh, focus on that weekend and, and try to take advantage of that and, and the shoppers that are around and stuff like that. And uh, Black Friday was kind of slow this year, to be honest, or 2018, kind of slow. Small Business Saturday was a little slower than that. And I just was unhappy with the results from those two previous days where the, the year before was huge for those two days. And so I wanted... I was like, I can't let this weekend end without seeing some bigger numbers. And so we just basically put out some crazy, stupid prices on, on products that, that we just had an excess of, at least for us, you know, just to see what would take, what would happen. And it ended up just blowing up, you know, so it was cool. We, we made a lot of sales, even though we lost our butts on some of these products, you know what I mean? But overall, we were able to do a lot of sales, and, and it ended up being 9% of our total sales for the year. What do, do you have any intentions for next year, or are you already looking ahead? What, what, do, you, what do you think you're going to do for Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all that stuff? Like this year? You know, this, this, uh, this year. Tw 2018, admittedly, I didn't personally have a lot. I didn't have the time that I would have liked to do uh, some some forecasting, some foreshadowing, some some uh, pre-promotion, if you will. It was very last minute. That might have been a lot of the reason that maybe Black Friday and Small Business Saturday was a little slow for us. Um, so I'm going to for this coming year, 2019. I'm going to try to do some more pre-promotion and try to try to drive sales, you know, for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then Monday by talking about it further than one day in advance and and hopefully we can move products that we don't lose our complete profit margin on you know and and people will still support us because we offer great deals and we're a family business for a long time and they know they're supporting a family business so hopefully it'll work out a little bit better this next year but but who knows you know yeah i guess you never know it's, it's always great. an experiment for a lot of us you know what i mean just to you know we're all growing small business owners you know right Tell Eric, tell everybody again where they can find you uh, uh, at your shop there. You, you guys can find us, Hall of Fame Baseball Cards, Arcadia, California. You can find us online at HallofFameBaseballCards.com. Boom. Eric, thank you, brother. Thanks, Brian, man. Happy to be here, man. Appreciate Thanks. it, buddy. Thank you. That was excellent. <laughs> and we have another special guest on the Sports Card Radio line here. Adam Martin from Dave and Adam Card World. He doesn't know this, but I've spent several thousand dollars over the years <laughs> buying stuff um, from his place, not only to open personally 
for myself, but I've also bought stuff from his website and flipped it personally, either on Amazon, on eBay, and made money myself flipping. So thank you, Adam, for that. Well, I'm, I'm glad to help support your life. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you indirectly have helped support this podcast. Cause <laughs> there's no advertisements on this podcast. We don't make any money on this podcast. So I've got, I've got to make money somehow. So thanks for the special deals on, on cards. But I guess here's my main question is you blow out cards, Steel City, unquestionably have the best prices on new and older wax in the hobby. How are you able to do that, I guess, basically? Well, I think that uh, I get asked this a lot. I, I think that in, in the industry, um, there are guys like myself and Tom Fish and from Blowout and uh, Sean Bennett from Steel City who work with manufacturers and distributors to look for opportunities when maybe a product isn't performing very well in the marketplace and they have excess inventory. And then we go in and make offers and, and you know buy products that we can then, at a nice price, that we can then offer to our customer base. And the three of us uh, compete all the time for merchandise like that. Uh, but as I mentioned before, we started this interview, things are so strong right now on uh, pricing-wise on unopened boxes, uh, those opportunities are few and far between. Uh, in fact, I told someone earlier that it's been 17 years since I've seen the market for unopened material as strong as it is right now. Wow, that's unbelievable. It's, un it's unbelievable out there right now. You just can't buy enough new product, let alone look for anything at a reduced rate. It's just not available. Before we get into to the challenges that poses, who, when you're negotiating these deals, when there is product to be had, mm -hmm. who are you negotiating with? Are you negotiating directly with Tops? Are you negotiating with another distributor? Who are you Who are you talking to? Um, it can vary. I mean, um, shoot, sometimes, you know, there'll be a, a, a breaker will have 10 cases, something that's not working for them. So it can be all levels, really, from, from top to bottom. I, I mean, I don't want to start mentioning names. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, there's always, when, when something doesn't perform well, there's product always available in different different sectors of the industry. I mean, let's face it, what we are commodities brokers. Uh, a product may have a cost at $100, and they go to 200 and sometimes it can go to 80 And uh, both myself and, and uh, Blowout and Steel City, we, we operate within that uh, the kind of model of if it's great, that's good. And if it's bad, well, we can probably make money as well. Is there a marketplace, a website you're going to? Do you have all these guys in a Rolodex on, on your speed dial? How are you talking to these guys and doing these deals? Uh, I'll say uh, speed dial would be the <laughs> optimum word to use. Now, are they calling you or, or, or are you calling them? How does that work? Uh, I would say that over the last several years, it's uh, outgoing. I, I think that it's... Uh, I don't want to say, sometimes I say it's just begging, um, but I think that, uh, and it's not just myself and the other online sellers, it's, you know, distributors who are, you know, well-established, uh, they're all out there looking for opportunities, so I would say most requests are outgoing rather than incoming. So, you know, you mentioned we're in this, like, just great period of the, or, you know, great period of the hobby where... Epic, where epic, epic period. Epic, epic period epic of the period. hobby. Yeah. Historically epic period of the hobby. But, like you said, it, it, the deals are, are drying up. It's hard to find this product. What do you do in, in this time period? Have you experienced something like this before? What what are the challenges now to your business in this time period? Well, actually, it's, 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 it's a lot easier in that, 
you know, you have these relationships with distributors and manufacturers, just like breakers do or, or uh, stores do, where you have your allocations and everything you're getting is you're able to sell for a really nice markup over what you paid because the market is so strong. So it's actually a little easier. I, I, I was only half kidding when I said that when we're out there looking for deals, it is, it, there is a little bit of begging to it for sure. Um, but in this market, you're able to, to buy merchandise at regular price from the manufacturers or from distributors, and the margins are strong because everything is performing so well. So I think it's great. It's a lot easier. And from a and, and we all want the manufacturers to do well. Maybe you know you're listening, and maybe you have a beef with one of the manufacturers over a redemption or something like that. But ultimately, we want all the manufacturers to be doing well, so they continue to make good products. And and for me, I'd I'd, I'd like to stay in business. And so therefore, I'd like to for them to stay in business as well. Do you like the exclusive licenses, or would you rather see that split up too? That is a, that is a tough question. If you'd asked me two years ago, I would have said I don't like it. And I think uh, right now. You know, when everything is doing so well, I don't know how it would be better if it was split up. So I would say right now I'm kind of on the side that I like the exclusives. I, I don't think anybody is watering down their products so much. Uh, that's always a concern if you have an exclusive. Are you really going to provide value to the consumer in your product? And I, I don't see it. I mean, you're never going to have a perfect box every time. But I haven't seen it. So I, I think right now I'm, I'm okay with the exclusives if they stand right now. Huh? So, you know, we're in this epic time period. If you could look into your crystal ball, how long do you think this <laughs> epic time period lasts? When I when I talk to uh, met a lot of dealers here and store owners and some breakers, I uh, you know that I haven't met before, and I I have a real simple uh, philosophy of this business, and that is our industry is based upon two factors: economy and rookie class. <laughs> so if there are good rookies and the economy is good things do well. And if there is not a great rookie class and the economy is bad, things don't do well. It is really as simple as that. Now there's some seasonality to it. Uh, you know, back to school time is slower for all retailers. I, I feel that. Right now is usually pretty strong. Uh, and then, you know, holidays come along and it's great. So there's some seasonality to what I'm saying. But ultimately it's literally economy and rookie class and you know we can look back and chart that for the last 20 years and see that that bears out yeah. it's a little a little too simple but it's it's true right yeah, yeah. sometimes the business is simple like that i have uh, just out of my own curiosity the, the kind of the size and scope of your business how many employees do you have working for you uh 93 oh that's God. a very exacting number and i only know that because i got an email today that referenced that number otherwise i, I might not know exactly but 90 93. We 93. Do. And these are spread across several Just, stores? and No, or? no. Uh, so uh, we're based in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Uh, we were fortunate to uh, strike a deal with uh, a landlord for a retail space that's 42,000 square feet. So I think it's I think it's the largest fan store in the world. Uh, so we have a lot of, we're in Buffalo, so we have a lot of Buffalo Savers and Bills merchandise, but you know, obviously tons of unopened boxes of cards. And uh, I think we have uh, 10 or 12 people there, but most of the people were based, uh, we have three warehouses down.